Welcome to Episode 2 of Living in Recovery, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of fellow CPP employees who are living in recovery with an addiction. The focus of this podcast is to share the experiences of those who have struggled with alcohol or drugs in the hopes of breaking the stigma that's often associated with addiction. Also, the goal of this podcast is to stimulate hope amongst those who may be struggling but are discouraged or intimidated by the prospect of seeking help. As a disclaimer, the words expressed in this podcast are based on personal experiences alone and are not meant to be taken as medical advice or to promote one method of treatment. Today, Carlos shares his recovery experience with us and what helped him come to terms with his addiction. Carlos is a Border Patrol agent and a peer support member. Now Carlos discusses what works for him in his approach to recovery. When did you first know you had a problem? I guess that could go back quite a ways. So um, first of all, I I came from the military before joining the Border Patrol. Um, And in that culture, it was very much um, like kind of work hard, play hard. And as a result, Drinking beer seemed like a, a a normal thing on the weekends, um, and and it really wasn't something that that got into my life. However, it, it, as far as like my my work life, however, there did come a point sort of in the military where it, it seemed like it was really taking over my weekends, but I didn't think too much of it. So I uh, joined the border patrol. I go to my first duty station and that is a, you know, on the Southern border, it's a, a huge change, uh, as far as cultural goals, uh, culture goes. Um, and then sort of the culture in, in, at, at sort of the city at my first duty station was to drink liquor as opposed to beer. As a result, I ended up, uh, just kind of slowly transitioning to that. And then, things sort of increased as far as when I knew I had a, like really like a problem. I, I, I think when I would start my shift waiting for, for the shift to already be over so I could go home and drink. Th- that was when I knew that probably things were a little serious. And although I, I could say that to myself in the secret parts of my mind. It wasn't anything I, I at all was ready to admit to anybody. So probably started that way and lived that way for a good three years before I, I reached out and got help. And then I, I knew I was in real trouble when towards the end of my shift, I, I just was dying to get home to take a shot, to, to calm the nerves and time after time, I'd say to myself, I have to quit. I'm going to quit, but just not today. Lord Jesus, just please not today. I got to get through today. It was sort of, uh, I guess you'd say on a personal level, like embarrassing for myself to to feel that kind of weakness, to believe in myself as being a strong soldier, a strong agent, but know that I had this weakness And to try to get past it, you know, and days would come and go and weeks and months where I didn't get help because I lived through it and I thought I could get past it. And then there came a point when I just couldn't take it anymore. 
it was bleeding too far into my work and it was completely affecting my marriage, my relationship with my kids. And so in, in my situation, you know, it was like a summertime thing. And my wife had, uh, had gone home back to our part of, uh, of Texas, uh, back to our part of the world for, for the summer took the kids and I just went on a bender and, and I realized like, probably my wife is going to leave me. There's a good chance I won't be able to keep my job if, if I keep calling in sick because I'm so hungover. I remember calling my wife and telling her that I really needed help. And she told me sometime later that she knew I meant it this time because, like, you know, I cried wolf. I guess you could say I'd, I'd done that before, said, hey, I'm going to quit. But when I called her and said I really needed help, she could tell that something was different. So she actually came back. She left the kids with her parents and came back to where we were, where I was stationed to help me get get help. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about that which I already heard uh, talked about in, in a pre- your previous podcast. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be something super simple, super easy, where I just say, uh, you know, I call the AP and I said, hey, I, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. And I thought it was just going to be like, okay, good, activate, and then everybody's going to come and, and I'll get taken off and get some help. But it, but it, it was m- more complicated than that. Having said that, it still took about two days, which is pretty quick. So I said I need help, went through and talked through my insurance and found a place that honestly, I, I was surprised. Uh, and, I, and I've got, I mean, I think most of us have, have decent insurance and, and I didn't have like the highest plan. And they got me into a place that was better than I thought I could afford. I was surprised at how, how good of a place it was. And, and I got to say that the place I ended up going to, they were very gentle and direct at the same time. In, in that program, I had an opportunity to go to daily AA meetings, kind of really go through the process of alcohol addiction, but then also daily counseling, where I got to really get to the root of some of the things that were going on in me that made me seek sort of going back to, to another time in my life. So for me, without getting too, I guess, too personal for me, what the alcohol did was, you know, Stephanie, I got to a point in my life where, where I was, I mean, it's not a bad spot. I mean, I, I plan on staying in the border patrol, you know, retirement age. I love the border patrol. However, this is not where I thought I would be when I was dreaming about what I would do with my life in high school and everything sort of compounded. And I realized like, yeah, this is, this isn't who I thought it was going to be. And I think drinking, not, I think I, I know drinking brought me back to a younger time when I was in college, when the possibilities were endless and, and it sort of, it was more than taking away like a, a pain and and it was deeper than going off to to a mental paradise with alcohol for me it was sort of going back to the idea of possibility of who i could be when i was in rehab 
I remember coming to this realization that a lot of people who are addicts, be it substance abuse or alcohol, what I discovered in, in meeting other people like me is that a lot of us are searching for something higher than ourselves, and we use the alcohol to get closer to that. The beautiful thing is that I've been able to find that within myself, with my family, in the work I do, without needing the alcohol. But, but I did need to recenter myself and, and figure out where I was going to take my life, what I was going to do. Because obviously, obvious to me, I was headed down a path that had no future. And I had to let go of, of the version of me I envisioned when I was younger, when I was in college, when I was in high school. I had to let go of that and embrace who I, who I was and who I wanted to become. And I'd say that I, I've accomplished that. I am accomplishing that as a, as a father as an agent, as a husband, as a human being, clearing away that alcohol from my life has certainly allowed me to attain a different me than I thought. And, and I love this me. I love, I mean, I truly, I, I know I've said it before talking to you that in, in the class where we met, uh, you know, the biggest fan of Carlos is Carlos. <laughs> and I really love um, striving for better within myself. And I think people who, who are addicted to alcohol, people who are addicted to a substance, they have that in common. Deep down inside, they're searching for something greater and higher than themselves. And the alcohol just helps them get there. But I truly believe we can achieve it without having to use a substance. What was different about the times when you'd called your wife before and this time? I had reached a bottom. I really had reached a bottom. I've come to believe that everybody's got to reach their own bottom. And my bottom doesn't look like other people's bottoms. And when I, when I went to rehab, there were people who had reached for their life compared to my life, something that I would say is, is like a, a lower bottom that I was willing to reach. And other people hadn't reached my bottom yet. I think I genuinely had decided to no longer be a slave to this addiction to alcohol. And when I did that, my wife heard it in, in, in my voice and I meant it in my heart. And unfortunately, I don't know that when people are concerned about other people. So since, since I've been sober and it's been almost what is that? Nine years now since 2013, the summer of 2013. Since that time, I've had people in my family and friends say, Hey, I, this person, this loved one has an addiction. They are struggling with this or they're struggling with that. And I mean, I will, I'll, I'll talk to them, but unfortunately nobody can convince another human being that they have a problem. Nobody can convince them that they need to go and get help. But I think being open about it, talking to other people openly about the problems I've faced, help them realize sort of where they are in their own personal scale of their bottom, I guess you could say, or, or the, the point at which they can't sustain it anymore. And, and that's really what happened. I, I couldn't sustain 
you know, I used to jokingly call myself a high functioning alcoholic. And before I knew it, I, I was a pretty low functioning alcoholic. Did you notice how it impacted other people around you? I saw it for a long time and I, I would lie to myself about that impact. I would turn a blind eye to how it was affecting my relationship with my two sons, but specifically my, my 11 year old, 12 year old who just wanted their dad. And I was too busy drinking. I was too busy wanting to take a a shot right when I get home, right when I woke up on the weekends, I was too busy doing that to fully engage with him. And one of the, the most tragic things about my story and maybe other people's story is that I lost that time with my son. I, I can never get that back. And I took for granted. I took for granted that that little boy would always love me as a father. Um, before I knew it, he was a teenage boy. And that boy had other plans than to hang out with his dad. He, he wasn't as concerned about spending time with me. Or, or our relationship. And I, and I lost so much time to alcohol. And I can say that for my uh, two younger kids now, who are 8 and 14, they have a present father. They do. It's a shame that I had to go through what I went through with alcohol and recovery to get to that point. But they have a present loving father. And I, I honestly, I didn't know that I could have such a close relationship to, to a young human being like my daughter or, or a young man like, like my son, like so connected to them now that I am not drinking or concerned about, about like just myself really. Cause that's what it was. Part of that was just being consumed with, with me and my own problems, my own hangups, I guess you could say people who are alcoholics, people who are addicted to a substance, I believe really are trying to achieve something higher. And the the quickest way to do that from a mental point of view is, is through help from a substance. But ultimately deep inside people believe they deserve that, that sense of higher connection to the universe, to, to a God, to an envisioned self. And so when that's the way you feel on the inside, but then you become aware of your behavior on the outside. There's so much shame and guilt associated with, with your action and inaction. And to realize that I wasn't the only one feeling that, that there were other people deeply feeling that as well as I was, I felt comforted. I felt not alone. And then there's, um, like I said, the, the personal one-on-one counseling. You know, in in AA, they often say that, that understanding your addiction isn't enough to get to recovery. And I agree with that. It's not, it takes a lot of hard work, but I will say that for, for my personality, for who I am realizing that there's, that my reaction to alcohol is different than other people's reaction to alcohol. My connection to it over the years of drinking has changed who I am both psychologically and physiologically understanding that about myself has gone a long way into keeping me sober or staying sober, you know, and there is, I mean, there's a difference between struggling through every day to not take a drink 
which is what I tried many, many times prior to going to La Hacienda and just knowing I'm done with it. I'm completely done with it. And that was one of the revelations that has really taken me far when I was in treatment was making a decision that for the rest of my life, I'm never going to drink again. And really formally, I, I remember one one therapy session where I just formally said goodbye to alcohol. And I've never, you know, after that, and, and which is not to say people don't relapse, can't relapse. They, they talk about that as being part of, of the recovery process. For me, when I made the decision that I didn't want it anymore in my life, it changed my life. It, it really changed my life. So understanding and coming to terms with, hey, I've had my fun with alcohol and I've had my rough times with alcohol, but we can count that all up into a catalog of experiences and set that aside and say no more. I think prior to that, I may have gone, I remember, I remember one time going 30 days, you know, this is prior to getting into recovery, going 30 days without drinking and thinking, yep, I've solved the problem. I can now go out and, and drink. Why? Cause I know I can, I can stop for 30 days. Within two days of going back to drinking, I was back to where I was before. I thought that I that recovery meant drinking normal again. I thought that's what it meant. And then I realized really recovery for me and for a lot of people means never drinking again. And really just coming to terms with that and being okay with that. Thank you for listening to part one of a two-part conversation with Carlos. You can hear the second part at the Living in Recovery SharePoint site.